of it when you do that. What? When I clap? Clap your hands, yeah. <laughs> Why? It's like TV. <laughs> I have a slate, you know, one of those. Oh, yeah? Um, but the funny thing is I, I bought that for, I specifically, I mean, I don't need one, but I bought it because I thought that would be cool when I went to one of the, the woodworking shows, have all the other YouTubers sign it. Oh, yeah, there you go. There's YouTube video, blah, blah. Anyways, I, we, we start off organically here. So everyone, welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast. My name is Nick, and I can be found at nickferry.com. And I am joined with what is now the new co-host of the Woodworking Podcast, podcast Bob Close. Hi, Nick. Hi, Bob Close. You can find me at bobclose.com and on Instagram at bobclose456. And uh, you like Instagram or Facebook better? I like Instagram. I do too. I'm not much of a social media people. I'm, I'm not saying that I look the youngest in the world, but when people look at me, they they kind of figure, hey, yeah, social media. I'm not a big fan of social media. That's interesting because I don't know any. I don't understand it. There's, I use it, but I don't understand it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff where I have to I have to hold my phone out and I, I show it to my wife. And but Instagram, I, I do like because it's a 60 second or less video yeah. or picture or yeah. several and a couple sentences about it. Yep. Yeah. You know, yeah, it does work well. Because for whatever reason, for me, anyways, Facebook just takes a while, and then uh, I don't know. It, it's probably more in my mind than in anything. But it's interesting because I can, if I do an ad on Facebook or do an ad on Instagram, it's two totally different demographics. Oh, okay. You have a much younger demographic on Instagram than you do on Facebook. Before we, before we continue this social media <laughs> discussion, I wanted to thank everyone over on Patreon.com uh, forward slash The Woodworking Podcast, all of our supporters there on Patreon. It is definitely appreciated. And if you guys are interested in contributing to The Woodworking Podcast and helping the show out, you can go to Patreon.com forward slash The Woodworking Podcast. Uh, going back into, I just wanted to say, on, and maybe you can do this on Facebook, maybe you can do it on Twitter and Snapchat. But I noticed on Instagram the other day, and this, you know, somebody listening is going to be like, well, they've been doing that for years, Nick. But uh, you can follow hashtags. Yes. Um, so if, say, hashtag Team Spindle Sander, which is an, an ongoing thing with the podcast. But, I mean, obviously you're not going to want to follow, like, say, woodworking, where there's 8 million posts. Correct. Because that will really, you know, clog up your newsfeed. But if you have something rather specific, because I know you always use the hashtag, was it hashtag Curly Woods of Wisconsin? No, I use Figured Woods of Wisconsin. Okay. But I also do Figured Wood. And it's surprising how many things you get off just the hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know, I thought that, I thought that was halfway interesting, um, that you can follow a hashtag. and um, Because I had, what, what, what was it? Oh, that Curly Maple uh, keepsake box that I'm making. Mm -hmm. I had that initially kind of put it out on Instagram as a, you know, a, a Valentine's Day mm -hmm. type thing. And it was hashtag Valentine's Day challenge, okay. I want to say. Yes, it was. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, there you go. Yep. So, yeah, that's when I realized you could follow it. And I'm like, well, that's even better because now I, you know, now I can make sure that I don't have to come back every day or two and, and type it in. You're right. You're right. The but, only thing I still don't get is you got to type in all those hashtags, and my fingers are kind of large, so if there's misspellings on mine, I'm sorry. It's just what it is. <laughs> well, because Bob, Bob and I were driving back from Milwaukee two days ago on, on Sunday, 
And uh, we'll talk more about that. We went to the Midwest. Bob invited me to be a guest, uh, his guest at the Midwest Tool Collectors Association. And they have uh, national shows and then kind of regional shows. But on the way back, I was trying to show, uh, I had gotten a, a single bevel hatchet, a skiving knife, uh, and a couple other little odds and ends. And I'm, I'm, it was a bumpy road, bumpy truck, and big fat fingers. And, I, and I, I told people on Instagram, I said, there's no, just so you know, I'll post more when I get home. But we got two, two hours drive yet. <laughs> fat fingers and a bumpy road don't, uh, they don't help. But you want, you want to explain more about that? Because that's, like I said, you invited me to go to that. It was. The Midwest Tool Collectors is, a, is an organization um, that was started back in the 70s. The mutual interest of old tools, whether they be woodworking, metalworking, gardening, I mean, it, was, it covers anything, but the majority is probably woodworking and metalworking. Um, there's people all around the country, actually all around the world that belong to it. The national shows are twice a year. The regional shows are done by the states. Uh, and we try to do at least one in every, not in every state, but in the it's broken up into regions. Uh, Wisconsin usually does one or two. Illinois does sometimes three or four. Uh, Minnesota does a couple. Iowa does a couple. Uh, what it is, is is guys and women that uh, have an interest in old tools and old ways of, of working with the old tools. Um, the Midwest Tool Collectors does a couple things. They not only bring together people for, for meetings and social, social gatherings, but they uh, also do a lot of work. They contribute to the uh, Mount Vernon, um, I'm trying to think of the word. Is it restoration? The restoration or? that's done in, this, in at Mount Vernon with the Donate Tools. They provide monies for a uh, intern during the summer. They do... Uh, scholarships for the members uh, families uh, to go to college that's where the money goes so it really and it's 25 bucks a year you get a quarterly magazine you get the opportunity to come to the meetings and you usually get one reprint every year of some tool related old catalog which is always kind of fun to see um, but i belong to it since the early 80s and it's a wonder to me it's a i, I enjoy it i just I like old tools, and uh, it's fun to go. It's fun to meet the people. There's still a lot of guys that are there that they were a lot younger when I started. Of course, so was I. So um, <laughs> it's been fun. It really is, and it's nice. I took a, a young man last year, and he joined, and I took Nick this year, and Nick joined, and uh, it's it's a good group. It's it's a wealth of knowledge that you don't normally get, and it's an opportunity. If you're a woodworker, metalworker specifically, that you can get some really nice tools, usually at a really fair price. Well, even the uh, Skyvee knife, and for those that don't know, it's kind of a half moon shaped knife for um, thinning out the edges of leather when you do leather work. Um, I had some cheaper kind of Amazon, eBay uh, Skyvee knives, but this was an older one and it was valued at, you know, they're selling them on eBay for 40 to $60. And the guy wanted three bucks. Yep. So I'm like, I can't pass that up. Or no, the Skyview knife was five, sorry. The, uh, the glass cutter. The glass five. cutter. So I got an antique glass cutter too uh, with a wood handle. I thought I thought it was neat. I probably won't ever use it for cutting glass, but that is one of those things. And that was three bucks. Yeah. So, and I, and I have three or four other glass cutters because 
I've done stained glass in the past and also and I worked with glass for a long time, but um, no, it was it was definitely interesting because there was a multitude of tools that I have never seen before, right. especially because I'm not um, primarily a hand tool guy. They had a um, a bowl ads. In fact, I had asked Bob what it, what it even was. I'm like, I said that looks like an ads, but the handle is super short and it wraps almost completely around your hand. He's like, that's a bowl ads, and I'm like. That is some. It would have been. It would have been nice to buy that one, but they. I think he wanted like one hundred twenty-five bucks. Yeah, that's pretty fair. But yeah, it's unless you're doing a lot of bowls, it doesn't pay to have. Exactly. I wanted to play around with it. Uh, (laughs) That's for a woodworker. It's a wealth. I'm a chisel and plane guy, so I tend to like chisels and planes, and I have way more than I really need. when you can go buy a really nice socket chisel that's as good as anything that's made today for five bucks, eight bucks, and you know what do you got to do? You got to sharpen it and maybe make a handle. To me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Just, and talking to the guys, there's a ton of older gentlemen there that were in industry back in the '50s and '40s. Um, when I started, it went back into the 30s. You know, these guys came up through the industries. They served the apprenticeships. They knew what the tools were used for. They knew how to use them. And that's something you just can't replace is that experience. And you can talk to these guys and gain a lot of insight. Yeah. And it, it seemed like there was almost like a lot of uh, mill workers and millwrights yeah. there, yeah. which was which was definitely fun. And, yeah, just chit-chatting with some of the people as far as, and then workarounds for certain tools and why, you know, why certain tools were kind of thrown away almost as junk when, you know, you would think, I don't know, it's hard to explain. I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole with that. But. Yeah, we could. We could go way down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Another thing I picked up was a raised panel plane from Pete Callen. And you've known Pete for a long time. I've known Pete for a long time. Uh, Pete is a retired fellow. He's been in every branch of the service. Um, he lives in downtown Milwaukee. And he's 70, I believe he's 75 now, um, but he makes hand planes. And molding planes, smoothing planes, panel razors, just about any kind of plane. What's always fun with Pete is I can say, Pete, I'd like a set of snipe bills. And he'll make me a set of snipe bills. Um, that's not something you can do. His pricing on his tools are so ungodly low, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, a little panel raising plane like Nick bought was 45 bucks, yeah. 40 bucks. Yeah. Um, molding planes, any run anywhere between 35 to 75, depending if it's a double iron plane. I've got some triple iron planes that he made, which if anyone knows hand planes and molding planes, those are really, really rare and really hard to do. But Pete does just a great job. Yeah, and he makes everything completely from scratch. He makes the irons, yeah. Yep, he does it all. I supply him the wood. Um, Guys will give him specific pieces of wood to make planes out of. Um, The steel he buys in Milwaukee, he has it heat treated in Milwaukee after he grinds it to shape. Yeah, Pete does it all. Yeah, that's awesome. And again, that's one of those things, too, to where... You, you kind of have to step off social media, yep. step off of the internet to get, because 
you were telling me up until what about six months ago pete didn't ever have a phone i said and i said oh so he he just recently got a cell phone he goes no 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 he never had a phone (laughs) (laughs) like a landline yeah you know you aren't going to reach out and contact pete um that's just not how it works but if you join the midwest tool collectors i can probably introduce you to him so that's cool yeah, I, it was a, a, definitely a pleasure meeting him because it's my second plane of his, or second or third now that I have. And so that's just definitely a neat, uh, yep. definitely got to, you know, like I said, not step off of social media for a little bit. There's some interesting <clears throat> characters in in there that uh, it's worth meeting them just to meet them because there's some unusual stories. I, yeah, I would imagine, I would imagine. Um, so anyways, the topic, the main topic for today um, is tools that you bought that you thought you would love, implement, use, they would be more beneficial to your productivity, but you really haven't. Uh, it, I, let's, let's talk about it. that was because that was the question, and then I'll do the reverse too. Tools that maybe you were hesitant to buy, but now can't live without. Well, okay. To answer your second one was a domino. I never, I, Building furniture, as long as I have, I was always a mortise and tenon guy, and I had a, different mortisers over the years. I've had different ways to cut tenons, whatever. Looking at the domino when it first came out, I kind of scoffed at it and said, yeah, 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 that's German engineering. Somebody had too many beers, but it works, and it works slick as a whistle. I have one and I love it and I use it all the time and I'm glad I have it. There's a lot of Festool things like a track saw. Guys that have them like them and I don't have an issue with it. <clears throat> For years I used plywood and a circular saw. It does the same thing. It's not real hard to make up a fence. and You can make it up and you don't have to buy metal fences. You want an eight foot fence, you cut up a sheet of plywood and make them a yeah. fence. So, it's not hard to do. It's not hard to make a straight edge, but that's kind of the reverse. It's I had a guy asked me the other day about <clears throat> he was buying a Festool jigsaw because it was so much better than anything he had that he had seen on the market because it would cut through thicker material. And I said, everything to buying a longer blade. <laughs> I said, I've got an old Milwaukee jigsaw that I've had for 30 years and I cut a Big top the other day that was two and a half inches thick. I just bought a longer blade, cut it just fine, smoothed it out with a sander. I was good to go. Uh, and I'm just going to kind of interject this. I'm going to apologize ahead of time. We were having audio issues before, and I think they're back to where Bob is kind of go, ducking in and out. My apologies. I will work on that for the next one, but we're trying definitely. It's a new setup for me completely different and so yeah my apologies in advance for that because i just know i'm going to bring this into the computer and i can kind of hear it that's why i'm wearing headphones for anyone watching on our youtube channel um it's not cold in there his ears are fine yeah <laughs> um so we were talking about the, so domino is one of those tools where you didn't necessarily think that you were going to get utilize it much but i'm glad i've got it yeah um, and you have the 500 yes the yep. smaller one and I have the 700, uh, and it was in a tool trade that I actually acquired it. But I'm, it's on my list to have the 500 because, and I know Seneca makes uh, an ad- adapter to where you can cut the smaller dominoes with the, the 700, the larger domino. But the large domino is a tank. It's heavy. It's bulky. It's 
it's not it's not worth the trade off for me. Um, but I do want to do um, some outdoor stuff uh, that I have planned. A buddy of mine's building a cottage, or supposedly building a cottage at this point. But and there was going to be some outdoor stuff to where those bigger dominoes would definitely come into play. So I don't want to quite get rid of it yet. But I would definitely like the smaller one. I know a guy that does doors that has the big one. He likes it because yeah. it makes doors. Yep. You know, and it, it is perfect for that. It's it's massive. It's good. Um, but yeah, I looking at the big one, I didn't see a use for it. Yeah. For me. So. Well, yeah, and, and I probably wouldn't have, mm -hmm. I, I, I should say probably, I really wouldn't have bought, but it was a barter situation. Um, for something I had, so I'm like, hey, whatever, whatever works. But um, you have the glint in your eye, like I can use that. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was it was a, it was a win win, I think, because it was actually for a uh, CNC, and I had gotten the CNC from a company, and I really just had no ambition to use it. It was just sitting around, you know. And this guy had the domino sitting around, and it was it was a, a nice trade because yep. I'll get more use out of the domino than I ever would have with the CNC. And vice versa, I think, for him. But uh, going back to the original thing, is there anything you bought uh, that you thought you'd like, thought you'd get some good utilization from, and you just didn't? It was a total flop. Yeah, there's been a lot of things over the years. You buy jigs and things that you think are going to work better, make you a better woodworker. Um, one was a, a little plastic, looked like a house that, you mounted your bandsaw and you could use it to cut dovetails and that was useless. Um, <laughs> I have certain sayings I use, but I don't want to use them here. So, um, and woodworkers, I think are really susceptible to nice colors and colorful plastic and metal and wood. And <sighs> or I, I think the, I think the mentality behind that is especially people that are halfway starting out, and maybe um, yeah. they're they're overwhelmed by the idea of hand cut dovetails, or they're overwhelmed by the idea of evenly spaced finger joints or things like that. And so it's like, if you act now, in the next thirty minutes, we can, and, and it becomes this jig to where you're selling them foolproof. Right. You're selling them um, uh, rather than putting in maybe a year of experience for thirty nine ninety five plus shipping and handling. You can bypass having that knowledge or that skill because this jig will do it for you. I mean, right. I mean that's what jigs are supposed to do. They're supposed to make certain tasks and right. processes easier. But um, I think that's the appeal, anyways. It is, and it's it makes it faster so that you can you can be out building something in your shop and have it look nicer when it's done, or have it done a little faster so that you can get to the finishing. And there's still there's certain jigs I bought over the years that have been fantastic. Um, my Keller dovetail jig is bulletproof, and I could make dovetail drawers all day long with that and not have an issue. For years, I used uh, a half-blind dovetail jig and made all my drawers that way. It's great. I mean, once you get it set up and you leave it set up and you know what you're doing, the biggest problem I think sometimes woodworkers have, and maybe other people as well in their, I don't know what jigs like sewing people have, but um, where if you don't use that every day and develop 
the muscle memory and know exactly what you're doing, you get frustrated with it and you throw it aside. And I think that's part of the whole jig thing is you make a jig for a reason, and that's to speed up something. Mm -hmm. But you also want to make it easier and more repetitive so that the next time you need it, you have it there. Yeah. But if it's not something, if you use it now and then don't use it for two and a half years, you're going to have to go through that whole thing of setting it up again and getting everything dialed in and whatever. It's one thing with a dovetail jig. I I was always one that if, when I bought my color, I had some extra rotors. I set them up, and they're still set up. That's just how I do it. Yeah, that's how I am, too, because you, know, you turned people, me on to that system, too. Yeah, it's just, you know, people laugh when I say I had 29 routers, but there's a reason. You leave things set up, so when you want it, you go grab it. It's ready. You go. Um, and I realize people don't make a living like I make a living. But there's also, if you want to do a kitchen, Buy some routers and set up your dovetail jig so that you're not cutting plywood one time and then all of a sudden you want to make some drawers. So you got to set everything up for that and you got it there. That's the way I look at it. And I, just towards the end there, I think I heard Bob cut out a little, little, little softer. But again, I apologize. We'll, we'll have to try and fix that for next time. But um, so I don't know if we ever did we ever talk about. I'm just trying to think real quick. <laughs> these casual conversations this is definitely i like doing this um the the way the way we're doing it because it's just a, a casual conversation the only problem is we're not recording everything and what were we talking about before i hit record and i said before you talk about that let me hit record because oh, that's what what i you i asked you about if you wanted to turn some handles for chisels and that i had a little piece of ash that you could use yeah and you asked me well I needed to make eight handles, and I said, "Well, it's big enough. It's eight feet long." Yeah, and the the funny thing is, because because Bob has quite a bit of wood. That's part of what he does is actually sells a lot of uh, wood. But um, he's like, "Hey, did you want to you know turn some handles? Because I ha I have some Stanley Sweethearts um, uh, socket chisels, and it's just a standard you know wood handle that's on them. And I thought it would be cool if there was you know just look a little nicer, and then also kind of." improve my my lathe skills for spin not only spindle work but repetitive work and he's like oh i got this piece of curly ash that i think would look beautiful in there's and i you know it's a little chunk of six six quarter and so you should have enough and i'm like well i said i got a full set of, i think i got like 10 uh, chisels in that, that set and he goes oh it should be long enough it's or i mean it should that should be enough it's an eight foot board <laughs> I'm like, where, where are you getting? Where are you getting? Saying that you have a little chunk. Although I did that in one of my earlier videos, uh, I think it was my walnut scoops video, and I guess you could just chalk it up to mod, you know regional nomenclature. But I said, no, oh, I just had this chunk of uh, walnut laying around, and I think at that time it was like seven feet long, mm -hmm. and it was eight quarter by maybe eight inch wide, maybe seven inch wide. The reason I call there's so much more to the words, but the reason I called it a chunk of walnut is because when I did my kid's bedroom set, um, Hughie Sawmill, he, he gave me that piece of walnut for free because I bought all the hard maple from him. Okay. And he goes, oh, you want, you know, because I, I was added a couple little uh, flourishes and inlays and stuff out of walnut in those pieces. And he's like, well, here, just have this. And so that was, 
after I used the six inches of it that I needed for, you know, little plugs, it was just hanging out in the shop. So I'm like, that's a chunk of walnut. Yep. But. It's all what you get used to being around, I guess. You know, and I know I, I'm spoiled because I have so much wood. I started off, when I started off selling wood, it was because I didn't want to sell my stash that I had set aside <laughs> for all those years. And that stash is all gone. I don't think I used hardly any of it. It's just, you find different stuff all the time. And you think you find a really nice piece of wood, and then pretty soon you find an even nicer piece of wood. So no. My secret stash is really not a secret stash anymore. No, that's funny. How, how many board feet do you think you have? 25,000 probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple boards is what he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I can, I can see how that goes, though, because it, it, and I don't know if you want to call this a sickness or whatever, but there are pieces of wood around my shop that it's, it's hard for me to commit to a project to cut up to use. And I know people that, that don't, have some, don't have access to some of the nicer woods are probably like, you got to be kidding me, but... Even that, that curly maple, you know, keepsake box I'm making, I've had that piece from you for a few years now, and I just, and it would always kind of just sit there, and I'd always like, man, that's some really nice curl. And yeah, I, what did I say? You're like, I, well, I've got better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's all, and this is always hard for people when they look at lumber. Like, I look at a lot of rough lumber, and I have to see the figure in it to know what I'm getting. And I can't expect somebody that I take a picture of a rough curly maple board that they're going to see what I see in it. Yeah. And it's hard to explain that to people. And I don't want to make anybody think I'm better than them or anything else. It's just I look at this stuff all day long and I know what I'm looking at. And for somebody that doesn't know, you know, don't feel bad. No, it, and it's funny. I have a, a funny story about that because we were, I was doing a, a theater set for a high school. And this is probably six, seven years ago. And I said, you know, we're going to need to get some more, you know, uh, select pine, get more of this, get more of that. And he goes, well, you know, the budget's a little tight right now. Let's go, you know, I'll, 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 see, what, I'll see what we have kind of lying around and stuff. Okay. So, like, the next week I'm back and he's, he said, hey, come, come walk with me. And he opens up the, this, these doors and he's like, what about this? He goes, can we use this or is this too gone? Or I forget the word he used. And here he went into the wood shop of the high school, and it was their hardwood cabinet, their room, and it was mostly like rough maple and rough cherry, rough walnut. And he thought it was like almost like dunnage, like it was off the you know bases of you know flatbed trailers and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, Are you, <laughs> your shop teacher is gonna kill you if I start nailing this together. And I said, don't you realize that, in, in, and it just, it was a, a learning experience that he didn't know, you know, what rough lumber sure. was underneath, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's what made me think of that when you said, but yeah, that, I, I wish I would have almost just, you know, it, it, it wasn't my wood to play with, so that's why I didn't want to, you know, but I, I would have loved to just joint one face and just wipe some, you know, yeah. uh, spirit over it and, and go, you see what it is now? He's like, whoa, yeah, I'm glad we didn't use that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, shop teachers in schools have it hard enough with a budget. Yeah. Trying to get lumber and all that. 
and it's one of those classes to where, especially if it if, if it's not, you know, if the kids are kind of pressed for money, because it's a class that yep. you normally have to come up with additional funds to pay for the wood. Yep. And there are times I've given wood to schools. Um, and I, I'm not opposed to that at all. If you're a local school and you need something, I'm going to ask. I'll see what I can do. I got some connections. You know, there's different things I can get finishes, stuff like that, that may be expired that they can't use in a cabinet shop, but can be used for the kid in school that wants to use it for a finish on a table. It may not hold up as long, but that's okay. All right, let's see here. We got about 28 minutes. To, oh, what we, what we didn't cover was kind of the main question was tools that you thought you would use, because we, we, we covered tools that... We, yeah. Well, basically, I wanted to get, you're selling your main table saw. Yeah, the big one. Yep, the big Northfield. Um, I bought that. <clears throat> it's a big industrial Northfield sliding table saw, but it's not like a European sliding saw like a cabinet shop uses. It's got a, a table that's on the side next to the blade that rolls back and forth about 32 inches. And I thought as a furniture maker, that would be really handy for and it's just not. Yeah. And I, I, for years, I lusted after one of these. And I had a chance to buy it, and I bought it, and I was just tickled pink. And I got it in the shop, and I cleaned it up, and worked on everything, got the sliding table working great. And if you're doing anything over a couple feet long, forget it. It just doesn't work as well as what I thought. Some guys love them. I don't. No. So that was a lesson learned for me. What's the biggest blade you can put on there? 16? 18 inch. 18 inch blade? 18 inch blade. You can cut six inches deep. Um, Have you ever cut six inches deep on that? I, no, because I'm afraid to put an 18 inch blade on it. <laughs> I put a 16 inch blade on it, and it, honest to goodness, sounds like a jet airplane. Uh, and I've cut with that a lot. But man, is it loud, and you just don't want to get your fingers <laughs> near it. And for me, I mean, I can use a shaper, I can do a lot of things and not be scared, but that big blade on that table saw does make the hairs on your neck stand up. <laughs> I'm trying to think, you know, for a, for a question that I knew about now for about a day or two about this is what, this was going to be the topic. I don't have, I mean, woodworking related, I, I have like mechanic items, um, my mom had bought me a, a ratchet at the end was like a two to one gear okay. ratio, but that made the head of the ratchet just huge. Okay. And I only kept it because she bought it for me, right. but that was, it, but it doesn't really fit the parameter of what we're talking about. I didn't buy it thinking it would be useful. My mom thought it would be useful. She's bought me a few as seen on TV things over the years. And I, I always feel bad trying to, be like, no, that's not really what I. And the funny thing is, too, and I, I was into woodworking very young, um, probably before I hit double digits. And around eleven or twelve, she bought me a torque wrench, and she goes, "This will help you in your, you know, building stuff." And I'm like, "No, no, this is for, this is for tightening bolts and stuff to an exact." Oh yeah, you want to make sure they're tight on your, you know, the wood stuff. And I'm like, no, it's. It's mostly for auto mechanics, mom. But thank you. The, the, the <laughs> yep. Don't ever argue with your mom. Yeah, I mean, it just boils down to that. It's it's always the thought that counts on that. But you know, 
you talk about things <clears throat> in woodworking that guys buy. I mean, I bought overhead overarm routers. Um, I've had, I think, three or four of them over the years. I buy them, fix them up. I never use them, and I think I'm getting rid of it. I need the space. I sell it. Two months later, I'll see another one and think, you know, those, I really should get one because I could use it for something. <laughs> and it's like, jeez, oh, for what? You know, I'm not a guitar maker. I don't do inlay stuff that much. It's just one of those things that you lust after something and you really don't need it. Yeah. yeah. Spindle sanders. You're, you know, you, you get guys that argue about spindle sanders. I've had different ones over the years and I love mine. I got a big max with 10 different spindles and I use it all the time. Yeah. Um, a mortiser. You know, I've had big industrial mortisers. I've had little benchtop ones. The one I've got now is a, a little Powermatic that I bought 15, 18 years ago. Um, I don't use it. You know, I use a domino. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can see myself going more towards the domino when, when I get the 500 for, say, like mission-style furniture. Yeah. Yep. But, and, and I've had people over the years, because my Hollow Chisel Mortiser, uh, for anyone watching on YouTube, you should be able to see it there. But um, it's always kind of in the background of my, my, my videos, and people, do you, do you use it a lot? And I said, well, A, no, but I shouldn't answer that first. I should, is it of value to me, and did it pay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. The first one or two mission style beds paid for itself. Yeah. In in yes. in pulling my hair out alone. Yes. I mean, but because um, I, a lot of those thin parts, yeah, you can mortise them by it with a mortising chisel. Yeah, you can mortise them with a router, yep. and then it's kind of a, you know, but just being able to drip, drip, and yep. there you go, you got your mortises and yeah. You know, for years I made end tables and coffee tables and things because I did a lot of traditional work, so everything was mortise and thin and. And I used my mortisers for hours at a time, you know, but there was nothing that worked better. It was just chopping stuff out and getting it done. And yeah, you're right. You don't use it all the time, but it's one of those tools that you're glad you got it when you need it. Yep. How cool. about a lathe? Uh, I, I use mine a ton, uh, way more than I thought. I, originally when I bought my lathe, I actually bought it in anticipation for making other components to other things. Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of touched on that Charles Ingalls table right. and that you know you would need a lathe for in, in various things, but um, I kind of immersed myself in, in bowl turning because uh, uh, I visited my friend Braxton in, in Vegas and um, Wood Turners Anonymous podcast, by the way, if, if you guys are interested in a wood turning podcast. He runs that, Braxton runs that with um, Jason Rausch and Carl Jacobson. But I can come out and it can be really late and I don't know, I just seem to get lost in a turning a pole. I mean, you saw I had, I don't know, 20 of them just piled up. That's kind of one of those things. I do the same with spoons though, but spoons I can do right at my computer. Because okay. I, I sit there and <laughs> my office has just got wood shavings all in it. That's fine, I sweep it up every year or so. Uh, <laughs> my, my wife is totally cool about it too because um, she actually she doesn't mind if I carve in the living room while we're even watching TV, just so long as I sweep that up every night. That's nice. But yeah, I don't think I've never done that. Um, I'm not a turner. I don't like turning. I've never liked turning. 
I'm a flat work guy through and through, I guess. Um, I did turn legs. I had a good buddy of mine that turned legs for me for a long time, and that's why I've got so many stacked up I got to get rid of. But um, I've tried bull turning. The most fun I had turning on a lathe was turning handles for chisels. That was about hmm. as much as I enjoyed. If I want to go relax, I'll go take a board and plane it. That's just take a hand plane and make shavings. That just works for me. We but should turn a bowl together. I'd watch you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you a chunk of wood, but I'd watch you. Ever since, and, and, I, and I was super appreciative to Braxton because, um, well, I've done... A fair amount of turning before I got this lathe, but it was a lot of theater stuff, and I wanted to. I was hoping. I told you when we were riding to that mm -hmm. tool show um, about that, but I, I wanted to show more of that. But it taught me a lot of bad habits because there's no grain direction. There's no good or bad technique when you turn foam, and there's no catches. You can almost sit there with a scraper and just go to town, and it really doesn't matter. But what was it? Oh, Braxton was teaching me um, bowl turning and just having two, three techniques that really were nice, clean cuts just made it all worthwhile. But, but anyways, we should probably wrap this one up. This one's been going a little bit over. We were shooting for probably right around 30 minutes for these podcasts. It just seems like a better format for us. Um, but your opinions are always welcome. And in fact, if you guys have any questions or ideas for topics for the show, yep. go to thewoodworkingpodcast.com, and then there's a contact us thing, and you can fill out a little thing and um, you know have your question. Maybe it'll be the topic for the next show. Yep. Um, that helps out a lot. And again, thanks to the patrons over at the uh, patreon.com forward slash thewoodworkingpodcast. And uh, I'm trying to think of how, uh, how to wrap this up, but... Go ahead and leave a review over on uh, iTunes as well. If that's how you listen to the Woodworking Podcast, that definitely helps out over there. And like I said, any suggestions, questions, comments, concerns, or even just to say hello, hop in on the woodworkingpodcast.com and uh, leave us a message on there. That works. Cool. Good. You got anything else to add other than goodbye? Nope. <laughs> I'd love to hear some questions. If somebody's got some, I'll tell you what I think an answer might be. There you go. Awesome. Well, you guys take care. Thanks.